Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta, your Dana husband. Our daf of the day, Masachet Yuma, daf Samach Dalet, page 64. So I want to start with something that's at the very top of the daf, which really begins, of course, on the previous daf, where it's discussing what happens when you end up with uh, where the Sir Mishdaleach, the scapegoat of the two, ends up being disqualified because it's got some kind of blemish which is an unusual, we haven't discussed this really yet, because we've been talking about the korban, and the need for the korban to be an unblemished korban, like all the other standards of any kind of korban. Here we have a situation where, what happens then if the siramish is disqualified? Right, the Gemara says that it was necessary to say that, we're, that there's a case, you know, of a blemished scapegoat, namely that it's got a formal blemish, a balmum, and likewise, there's a concern that you have to say it's that the the Gemara had to say, and this is going back, you know, on the previous stuff that it was that it was lacking in time. What does this mean? If we had, if the Gemara had only been talking about the fact that it was lacking time, then you might have thought that it wasn't a case of a balmum, that that would not be a problem. And what does it mean that it's uh, lacking time? If its time um, has not yet come, and if it's not old enough, then it cannot be consecrated, right? And but likewise, or conversely, I guess, if you've got a blemished animal whose time has come, meaning it's old enough, but it's blemished, then you know, isn't that also going to be? A, a situation of disqualification. Right, the claim is that a blemished animal would be um, icky. I guess is the. I'm sure there's a more um, sophisticated way to describe ma'is. Um, you might think that uh, an animal that simply has not um, its its time has not come. Right, it's lacking time. You might say that that's fine because it's not. There's nothing icky about it. There's nothing disgusting about it to put you off. So maybe you could use that as a scapegoat. And so both of these, um, both of these categories are used to say, all right, either way, you're going to have a problem with using scapegoat, using the serum. E- either of this kind of disqualification would make a problem for the serum mishdalech. So then the Gemara continues. So all of this is talking about really the whole discussion is about the mechusar zaman. Why do we have? Why are we talking about a situation of a, of a the goat lacking time? So Rava says, well, that can be a situation where somebody has um, somebody the person who had sold the two goats might have had somebody at home who was sick, meaning not not a cold, right? Somebody who's critically ill um, in the home, and so then. And he slaughters the mother of the goat of the of the Sirmishdaleach to save the person's life. Now, what if he does that on Yom Kippur? So now we've got a scapegoat that is more than eight days old, but it is still considered lacking in time because you're not supposed to we'll all remember this from the rules of Kashrut. We don't shecht an animal and its mother on the same day. So you could end up with a situation where Technically, the goat is old enough, right? Meaning, 
to be the Sir Mishdalech, but it is now rendered disqualified to be the Sir Mishdalech because there was a reason to shecht that same animal's mother, the goat, the mother goat, on the same day. So the Gemara says, well, but would really that be a problem? Who's going to prohibit that particular circumstance? Meaning you're going to save somebody's life. But the, but the Gemara says that the, the, the Torah says, right, it's a verse in Vayikra, Kafbet, in chapter 22, that whether you've got a cow or whatever the animal, right, you do not shecht it, you do not slaughter it and its young, meaning again, the animal and its young, on the same day, on one day. But one second, we're not talking about shechita. If we're talking about saving, we're not. If we're we're talking about the sir mishdaleach, we're going to push that goat off a cliff. That is not shechita, right? That is not. You're not doing an act of ritual slaughter. An act of ritual slaughter. The and the child goat on the same day. Well, and the Gemara answers, well, yeah, that's true. It's not a technical shrita, but when you come to push it off a cliff, which is the way it's supposed to be killed, meaning that's the rules for the Sia Mishdaleach, then that's considered, it's, it says here, Zohi Shritato. That is considered its slaughter. So the idea here is that you can end up with a disqualification of the animal that is really far removed from the physicality of the animal, right? It doesn't have a mum. It doesn't have any kind of physical blemish. It's actually technically the right age, right? In contrast to the cases that were discussed on the previous death. But we end up here with a reason or a disqualification of using this animal on this day. And I suppose that it would be a very complicated situation to even discover, right? If you go and you buy your goat from somebody who then later will need to shecht the mother goat on that same day as the Yom Kippur day, somebody from that household needs to go running to the Bain of Mikdash and say, oh my goodness, we need to shecht the mother goat, so don't use the child goat so that you can go get a, a replacement goat in time. Right? Meaning, it, it, you know, you're Dana, you talk about boundary pushing cases. It does feel like either this happened technically once and therefore it became a case because it was so far flung, like such a far removed case from a, a basic situation that they therefore had to explore or alternatively let's explore how far could this possibly go where we would end up with a disqualification because of what is a real technicality meaning it is a real problem to check that animal and its mother on the same day or a mother and its kid on the same day right but but tachlis like i feel like this is not something that would have necessarily even been known about if the household doesn't make it known to the beta mcdash so and then right, well, and you almost wonder in a way, you know, once you purchase that animal, even though the owner who you bought the animal from still has the mother, you almost would think it would be separated. And the fact that the Gemara says no, they're still connected, and this halacha still applies to them, is actually in my mind is interesting because, like you said, Anne, how do you know that the person who bought the the baby animal would even know what was going on with the mother animal? It's really dependent on sort of the seller telling you that. Right. Yes. So I, I find it to be like logistically a challenging situation. So I'm going to move on to the next section here. And this actually takes up sort of the rest of the DAP. The Gemara then goes to this part of the Mishnah where it says, Im shall, im shall shame mate, 
So what the Mishnah basically told us is that let's say one of the goats dies after the lottery is done, right? You're going to bring a second pair of goats and new lots are going to be drawn. But the question is, you know, and then after that lottery, right, the coin gadol, right, we'll get to the question in a second, is going to say, if the one that was going to be, that was supposed to be sort of sacrificed as the chatas to Hashem died, right, then that goat, which the lot fell on this in the second pair, that it says l'shem, right, that's going to be instead of it. And the one that was to be sent, or if the one that was supposed to be sent to Azazel died, and then the goat for which the lot for the second pair for the lot for Azazel came is going to be in its stead, right? So the question is, what do you do with the leftover goat, right? So if you had that first pair and you have that left leftover goat, right, which is basically supposed to be a good goat, what are you supposed to do with it? And basically you let it graze until it becomes blemished. And then at that point, you're going to sell it. And then the money that you get from that, you're going to give to an adaba. So the Gemara now is going to basically discuss which goat is the one that gets set to um, pasture, right? Which one are you going to send? Is it the one from the first lottery or is it the one from the second lottery? In other words, and this is a little bit difficult to explain. I think you almost need like a chart to explain this. But the question basically is, okay, you have that first, uh, you have the first set of goats. One of those goats dies. And then you have, you know, the, the leftovers, second goat. Um, then you have to bring in that second pair. You do the lottery again, right? And let's say it was the one that the, the one that was L'Shem is the one that you needed the replacement for. What do you do with that first Azazel goat? And so the question is, maybe you should use that first Azazel goat. And it's the second Azazel goat from the second pair. That's the one that you're going to let go to pasture. And that's what the Gemara is trying to figure out. Which is it? So in other words, you almost in a way, is it always the goat from the first pair that you're going to set out to pasture? Or do you end up mixing the two pairs in a way? Right, Anne? Does that make sense the way I'm saying that? Do you I end think up, so. Right. You end up mixing the pairs because you want to use the one that was sort of originally designated by the lottery that didn't die and you should go ahead and use that. So the, in order to answer that, they're going to go through a rather extensive machlokas between Rav and Rabbi Yochanan. Amar Rav, Sheni Shabazug Rishon Yikarev, Sheni Shabazug Sheni Yirat. So Rav says, if it's the goat that was supposed to go to Azazel died, he sacrifices the second goat of the first pair, right? Like the one that was L'Shem is going to just be the regular Chatas. And the second goat of the second pair that is the one that should go out to graze, basically. Rabbi, right? Rabbi Yochanan Omer, Sheni Shabazug Rishon, Yireh, right? Rabbi Yochanan says the second go to the first pair is the one that gets grazed. So in other words, and what? Sheni Shabazug Sheni Yikarev. And the second goat is the one of the second pair that should be. So basically, according to Rav, what are you going to do? You're going to um, you're going to um, intermingle the pairs, but according to Rabbi Yochanan, you're not. The second goat of the first pair, that's the one that you're going to basically send out to graze, um, and you're going to use the second goat of the second pair. 
right? So that's really the question. Are you basically replacing both or are you just replacing the one that got lost? So according to Rub, you're not replacing both. You're just replacing the one that got lost. You're going to use the one that you should have used. But according to Rabbi Yochanan, you're basically replacing the entire pair. And so then the question becomes, but my kama fliege, right? What are they really fighting about? Rav sabar bale chayim inan nitzchin, but Rabbi Yochanan sabar bale chayim nitzchin, right? Rav holds that animals are not rejected, and Rabbi Yochanan holds that animals are rejected. So what exactly does this mean? What Rav is basically saying is, is that you have an animal that was designated to basically used be as a korban, and later on it becomes unfit, right? It's not necessarily disqualified forever, right? So even though that remaining goat is not, really can't be sacrificed when its counterpart died, once another goat has been paired with it with the new lottery, basically it's it's eligible again because now it's a pair again and you can use it. And that's why you can use the first goat from the first pair, right? Once you just do the second lottery and you have the other goat designated, you can go ahead and use it. Whereas Rabbi Yochanan holds, Animals that are rejected basically are rejected. In other words, once that first pair, right, one ant, one goat dies, but you have the second goat, when its pair became disqualified through death, it also basically becomes disqualified. And that's why, according to Rabbi Yochanan, why you don't really intermingle the two pairs at all. Um, I really just wanted to read sort of the basic piece of this. Then the Gemara is basically going to go on really try to figure out what are the reasonings between Rav, what's the reason for Rabbi Yochanan, they go through a different vari- variations, and then Ahmed, on Ahmed Bet, <laughs> excuse me, really they spend sort of applying it and seeing how does that actually work with the halacha itself. But I find this machlokas to be interesting because when you read the Mishnah, it seems really straightforward, and this machlokas of Rav and really Rav's position Really, I read the Mishnah like Rabbi Yochanan. It just seems to be like you get a second pair and that second pair of goats replaces the first goat. But Rav has a very different read. And in fact, the Gemara ultimately concludes that Rav's reading is the better reading of the Mishnah, even though that's a reading that, you know, that you intermingle the two sets of pairs. That's not really obvious, I think, when you first read the Mishnah. And then the Gemara really goes into using the language of the Mishnah itself to prove why Rub's reading is actually the correct reading of that Mishnah. So I just so that's what I found. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. So I just think it's like, it's a very creative reading. It's not the obvious reading when you first read the Mishnah. And it's really interesting to see on the top how the Gemara really works through that. So I'm with you. I feel like Rabbi Yochanan's reading is so much more, besides being shot, it just makes more sense to me that if you we go through so much effort to have these you know, goats be aligned, that they should be identical or as near identical as possible and so on, then if something happens to one of them, I would think that that would be like, let's take it as a sign that this pair was not a pair for this purpose, right? And let's get a whole new pair. I mean, you know, a whole two more goats, right? And use them fresh, so to speak. I would think that the that the goal would be to to let the original of the first pair go out to pasture, not the second one of the second pair. I understand the the math of Rav Yehuda, but I just feel of Rav. Sorry, but I feel like I feel like I don't know. It it seems very strange that um it basically means that you have to have then four goats that 
look alike that have similar that have equal value that like all the same criteria that made the first pair a pair are now required for the second pair and i feel like this is where you would say we're just exploring what this would be because it becomes practically i think very very impractical right but it's almost interesting it's like the point is you have to replace the lottery but not even so much the goats because you're you know sort of like just you're going to use that first goat because it's okay to use from the the one that didn't die from the first pair, but there's something about the lottery piece that you have to fix. It's not right. so much replacing the goat. It's replacing the lottery almost. I think that's exactly right. I think that it seems to be that clearly the lottery was, you know, needed to be done again. If it could so choose a goat that was not going to make it. Right. Exactly. I think that's a great way to say it. So I, I just think when you read the rest of the daf, you know, that's really what they're doing. And again, fascinating that they agree that the Mishnah, this read of Rav, which again, I don't think is the obvious reading, is really the correct reading of the Mishnah itself. Well, that's our DAF discussion for the day. Rank us reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hajjim website. Let us know what you thought about this DAF on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. Thank you.